Well, I want to transition into a time where we just talk about the workplace and, and race in the workplace and all of these individuals up here work in different atmospheres. You guys heard Deb, so I'm going to let her kind of introduce herself in that sphere of influence and what she actually does in the workplace, and then we'll go on down the line if you guys can introduce yourselves. Yep. So as I mentioned, I'm a lawyer. I started my career as a federal prosecutor at the U.S. Attorney's Office here in Chicago. Um, then I went to a big uh, multinational law firm for about seven years, and now I've been uh, at a Fortune 500 country company. I can't talk. I look at you, and I like can't. Just, it's terrible. Fortune 500 company here in Chicago um, for about six years as their general counsel. So that's, um, I'll talk a little bit about um, race in the legal world. Mm. That's good, all right. Uh, my name is Robinson Alexis. Thank you. My name is Robinson Alexis. I am a chiropractor. I was born in Haiti. I came to America at a pretty young age. I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I originally came to Chicagoland area around 2002. Since then, I've been back in Fort. I've lived in Salisbury, Maryland, uh, Memphis, and I went to graduate school in Daytona, Florida. Mm. So. Good morning, I'm Michelle Hudson. I'm originally from Indianapolis, Indiana. Mm. Yeah, Neptune. Um, so I went to uh, college at Ball State University, Ooh. chirp, chirp. <laughs> um, oh. After college, I moved to Cincinnati. I got to shout out, you know. Uh, after college, I went to uh, Cincinnati, actually, and worked at Cintas. Uh, and then uh, shortly after, well, actually, a few years later, I moved to LexisNexis, which Deb probably knows, mm -hmm. and uh, came to Chicago to work for Granger, and I just finished grad school, uh, my MBA at Notre Dame. Um, so I've been in Chicago since uh, the very end of 2015, and uh, absolutely love it here. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. Hi, I'm Jay. Um, originally from London, uh, spent some time in Philadelphia mm -hmm. going to high school. Uh, went back to London, moved to Oklahoma for um, undergrad and graduate school. Um, I previously worked in corporate banking. I worked in uh, fixed income. And now I work in our real estate. Um, I run my own residential uh, real estate business. Love it. Jason, since you got the mic, man, let's jump in. How have you <laughs> tried to get away, right? <laughs> how have you experienced, man, just, just matters of race in the workplace? How, how has that been in, in terms of where you've worked and um, what's that been like for you? I know you've done a, you, you just shared with us a few different things, and, and there's probably different experiences with each one of those. So how have you experienced uh, matters of race in the workplace? Absolutely. Um, so in corporate banking, I, I can tell you that um, I've experienced, you know, whatever you call it, racism, prejudice, it's in terms of promotions and um, advancement within uh, the company. Uh, I work for Citigroup, a big, big company, as many of you know. Um, and just, you know, trying to get through the corporate ladder was very, very difficult. Um, my counterparts, you know, who are white, um, it was not easy, but, you know, their pathway was, was a lot more easier than mine. Um, I, I felt like I had to do double the work. Um, so it's, it was difficult. It's definitely difficult in corporate, and there's not too many black people in corporate. That's mm -hmm. just the truth of the matter. Um, so uh, that was very difficult uh, to stomach, but, you know, again, I, I, I knew what corporate was, so I was better prepared for it, um, and just knowing that I always had to continue to strive, but it was very difficult. And in real estate, it can be pretty much the same. Um, you know, folks are 
folks have got to have faith in me as a black man to sell, you know, their properties or purchase their properties. And we're talking, you know, million dollar properties uh, sometimes. And you know what? It's difficult to secure those clients, you know, regardless of my success, my resume. I'm a black man. And, and you know, sometimes um, it's difficult to secure business. Mm. So that's mm. my experiences. That's good. That's good. I guess they're giving you the mic, Michelle. So, so how's your experience been? I've actually, I've actually had very good experiences in corporate America. Um, I'll say that I've, I've been received really well. Um, so some of my, just kind of what I carry around, right, like being generally the only African-American and female at that in, in corporate. And so when I walk into a conference room or a meeting, it's generally just me. And I'm in IT. And so in that case, it's really generally just me. Um, and so sometimes I carry my own biases, like how am I going to mm. receive and what will they think? And so I've had to realize in actuality, it's, it's really sometimes just me that may have my defenses up or mm. may feel a little... Um, self-conscious, if you will, about how I'm being received. But I would say overall, most people have made an effort to get to know me, and I've tried to be um, just very open and be willing to have conversations um, with my colleagues and, um, and leaders about what our company looks like and our team and you know, how we can um, move the needle, if you will, on diversity. So That's I will good. say that I've had some really good experiences so That's far. That's good. Robinson, brother, you, you've had some a wealth of experiences too, and 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 with the recent comments and things around right. Haiti and things of that matter. Um, yeah, man, I, I'd love for you to just share your experience. Maybe some some of the colleagues, things that have been said. Um, how's it been for you um, and your work experience here in the states? All right. Well, I think um, one of the first thing that I notice whenever I meet anybody. So, so as a chiropractor, it's not necessarily corporate America. I typically work for like a small company or small business. Um, and typically there's not too many people outside uh, other than my employer that may be above me. Um, so in terms of power dynamic, I tend, it tend to be my employer and then there's me. And I would say I have had three different experiences in terms of Salisbury, Maryland, when I did what I did was called a preceptorship. Uh, I guess you say something like a, a residence, but not necessarily, we don't do residency in chiropractic school. Um, excuse me, lost my train of thought. But, uh, but in each one of those situations, um, like I was saying, I'm typically not in a position where uh, I am not, where people come at me any sort of way. I don't have like advert racism. But what you do find is, uh, which surprises me, every time somebody come and see you like, oh, this is Dr. Alexis, it's, you can always tell there's like a, a surprise. And then t I guess for them, Typically, I work like in the upper middle class white area, so I don't think they're necessarily expecting this black dude to come up and crack their back or something, you know? So, <laughs> so, that's, so that's the one thing I've noticed. But I say for me, the biggest challenge that I have in terms of work experience uh, is I feel like I'm always trying to kind of walk a fine line. Because typically, um, in that scenario, I see people, I think they recognize that I am black and then there's, there's like this, like, real careful in terms of the comment that they try to, mm. to make and mm -hmm. say. And I notice mm -hmm. them being cautious. And then so for me, it's always like that fine line trying to make, I always feel like I have to make my patient or my staff feel comfortable around me, mm. ignore the fact that, okay, I'm this black dude, right? And I'm a person and just accept that I'm a person. Um, but but where, where I say it's a fine line for me is so a story that I shared with Pastor Derek recently is, I always find like there's like this moment where I feel like I always have to check somebody, right? <laughs> as I call it. And that's important because in most situations, 
there's a lot of comments that's made on a regular basis. And one of the biggest things that I fear is being like, say, labeled as racially sensitive, right? Mm. So when I go on a vacation, you always say, oh man, nice tan, right? You know, it's the comment, it's always like a, it's always like a, and then so you have to decipher like, okay, no, that person is not trying to be, um, no, that person is not a racist, not trying to be, um, um, speak illly of me. They just, they just, that's just their way of expression, trying to be a relationship, whatever it may be. But at times though, I find if I don't say something, it oftentimes goes too far. Mm -hmm. So I had mentioned before I'm from Haiti, and recently, uh, I guess I have to go you can back. Say it. You <laughs> so uh, for Christmas, my girlfriend gets me uh, tickets. I'm a, I'm a big Miami Heat fan mm -hmm. to go to uh, a Bulls versus Heat game um, on Martin Luther King Day. So I go to my employer, and I'm saying, okay. My girl didn't realize the fact that we did not have off that day. <laughs> so I, I, I'm just trying to work ways to reschedule my patients so I can mm -hmm. still make it to the game. His comment to me was, oh, we, we don't recognize any of the black holidays, right? Mm. So that, I wasn't offended by that. And he was just trying to make a joke. I I'm get offended that. by it. I know you yeah. are. <laughs> <laughs> and he was not trying to be offensive. He was just trying to make light of a situation, ha, ha, ha. And then so I did not check him. So this is what typically happened when I mm. don't check him. Two weeks later, our president make a comment about mm -hmm. African nation in Haiti, mm -hmm. my birth country. Mm -hmm. And my employer walks into my office and says, good morning, asshole. Mm -hmm. You give it? <laughs> so for me, mm. so for me, and that didn't even surprise me. But for me, though, what I think of is just like, I should have checked him on Martin Luther King Day, you know what I mean? And, that's, and to me, that's like the biggest challenge I have in the workplace is just knowing when someone is, mm. they're not necessarily trying to like be offensive, but if I don't make, if I don't draw that line in the sand, that's what happens. And so I'm not to take too much time, I just got one more story that kind of shows that that's not an isolated situation. Because even when I was doing my residency per se, this was soon after the Trayvon Martin situation, me and another one of my colleagues that are both doing our residency walk in, this is Salisbury, Maryland, with a hoodie mm. into the office. It's cold, hoodie, nice jacket. I thought it was nice, you know, but apparently not. And he says hi, and I come in, he says, what's up, Trayvon Martin? Uh -huh. You know, so I mean, so it may seem like it's an isolated situation, but this is something that happens to me in every place I've been employed. I get comments like that on a regular basis. So am I saying my employees and these colleagues are racist? No, but these are things that I don't think they realize that wow. they're comments that they're making that does have an effect on the people that you're working with and that, that stays in the back of their head. Mm -hmm. That's good. I think you touched, that's good. Thanks for sharing those stories, Robin. So I think you kind of touching on this deep-seated kind of ignorance, um, I would say, and, and the, willing, the unwillingness to really engage and get underneath the covers with one another. And, and Deb, you got a different story with them in terms of workplace and just what that looks like. What's some things that you kind of can shed some light on and just, um, I know you I do, but I, 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 I got to respond to that, guys. Yeah. White people in this room, if that does not break your heart, mm -hmm. you better check yourself. And that is racist, mm -hmm. Robinson. That is the definition of racist. Mm. It is not funny to joke about race, guys. It is not funny. And when someone makes a joke, you better be the first one to say, step off. That is not funny. Mm. And I'm offended for you, and I can't apologize for him, but I am sorry.
Now you took me off my game. <laughs> I was trying to do that. But <laughs> okay, so um, the legal world is um, kind of the old white man's sport. Like old white men are lawyers, not women, not people of color. Um, this is a long history of smart old white men lining their pockets with money. Mm. Um, so where do we see that? I'm not going to get into my prosecutor um, background today. That's a whole nother nut. But if we think about corporate law firms, the big law firm that I worked at, the big law firm that Jay's wife works at, um, these are places where if you want to be promoted into partner, if you want to stay long term, if you want to make this your life's goal and you're either a woman or you're a person of color, you are going to have to work two to three times harder to last there. And that is not an exaggeration. It is not. Um, my mentor of 20 years is a black lawyer um, in the city who's been a lawyer for probably 35 years now, I want to say. Um, and she has moved from law firm to law firm to law firm because repeatedly her partners overlook her. They never mm. send work to her. They never think of her. Where in law firms, that's what you do. You're a corporate lawyer. You send, oh, your, your client's getting you sued. You send them over to the litigator. You know, you're litigating. Oh, they want to do a transaction. You send them over to the corporate lawyer. This is how it works. This is how you build and bring in business. No one ever sends her business. Mm. They do not. Look across the ranks. Go on any multinational law firm's website and look at who the partners are. Just scan through it by picture. They all got their pictures up there. White man, white man, white man, white man, white man. Ooh, white woman. White man, white man, white man, white man. I mean, maybe one black face if you're lucky. And so this is a huge issue in the, in the legal world. And it's something that's going to continue for a while, I think, until law firms... They, they are getting intentional. They need to be a lot more intentional. There are lots of women and lots of black people going to law school. Mm. So wake up, law firms. Um, then you, you switch over to being in a Fortune 500 company where I am now. And I think that we as a company and we as a leadership team are very committed to diversity, um, both in terms of gender and races and different things. And yet, we have a meeting of the top 120 people, leaders in our company to get together and figure out strategy and figure out how we're gonna drive this company forward. And I look around and there's one black person. Mm. And I hear that my friend Michelle here has an MBA from Notre Dame and I think to myself, why doesn't she work at our company? And I know that many of you people of color in this room also have degrees and advanced degrees and training and all this other stuff. And I think, why don't they work in our company? Mm. And so I think, again, we have something that's very built into the fabric of this country that's going to take a really long time to start to break apart. But it can be done. So when you guys go into leadership, whatever color you are, when you're in leadership, think about it. Just check yourself. And this is not me bragging, it is not, but when I became general counsel and I had a headhunter come to me and said, you have three hires, you need a corporate paralegal, you need a securities lawyer, and you need an employment lawyer. I said, okay, good, here's the type of background that I'm looking for, and you better bring me some people who aren't white. They were like, okay. And, and guess who I ended up hired? An Indian woman, a Latina woman, and a black woman. That's my yeah, staff. Love it. Okay. And guess what else? They were the most qualified. This wasn't some kind of like, oh, I better just hire. Absolutely not. But I forced that headhunter to go look for the candidate I wanted. And what they brought me was a diverse panel, and I hired the most qualified across all three. Amen. 
Intentionality. I love it, Deb. Thanks, thanks. Jay, let's continue with that, man. Let's think about, like, what are some things that need to change? What are some things that, if you, if you look at the workplace now, um, and, and Deb's speaking about intentionality and things that she's done, what are some things, when you look at the history, the fabric of this country, um, as a black man in the workplace, what are some things that you see that you would love to see change possible? It's such a large, loaded question. Mm -hmm. um, I just... Within, within corporate, I, I would say, yeah, it, it's the same thing. There has to be intentionality, um, and, and especially at the executive level, okay? Um, I know there's, there's going to be some juggernaut business guys in here who I know personally, um, and, it, and, it's, and it's Christians um, who are white and who will get to that point, and they will always have it in their heart and their mind, like, what is the gospel, man? The gospel is about... It's about reconciliation. It's, it's about reconciliation to God first, obviously, but to one another. Mm. And, and Christ didn't die so that we can have, you know, racist thoughts or, or bigotry, whatever it may be. Um, he, he died on that cross so we can love one another. That's and, and that's at the heart of all of this. Um, so in corporate, again, it, it, there has to be intentionality. Um, I, I made a comment to Pastor Derek um, about affirmative action. Okay. I think it's okay, I think it's good, but to be honest, what then happens is companies just tick a box. Yeah. All right, let me hire that black person right there. Yep, tick that box, mm. we're good to go. So it's really, there's no heart change there. It's, it's just, hey, you know what, we have to do it. And I, I don't follow up on, on affirmative action. I don't even know if companies have to um, adhere by that rule. Uh, but what I do know, I would personally prefer to see a social movement um, where, where folks are actually, you know what, that black person is qualified or that Latina is qualified, uh, that Latino male is, is qualified for this position. And when they are, we should hire them. We shouldn't look at race. Um, but it has to happen from a high level. And also, on, on a quickly, on, on a kind of, I guess, on an associate level, I should say, you've got to have those conversations, right? If, if you're with executives or you're with folks who can make those decisions, and, and maybe you're hearing racist comments. You know, stand up. Deb said it earlier. You have to stand up and say, you know what, that's actually wrong. Because, you know, I know qualified black folks. And, and that's the thing about affirmative action to me. Um, just touching on that again. Again, it's just ticking a box. And I think whenever you're just ticking a box, you don't get it. Good. You, you just don't get it. Um, and, and my last comment, um, and I shared this with Pastor Derek also, I heard a, a white pastor on Moody Radio probably mm -hmm. several months ago, and he said this. He said, um, the reason why um, the white church struggles with um, diversity and race is because we never treated racism as a sin. Mm, it's what a white pastor said. I was like, wow. And it, for me, it, it just opened or answers, I should say, so many questions I had about corporate. Like, why is it so tough? Why am I the only black guy in corporate? Now I'm in real estate. Like, why am I one of the only black people who's trying to sell luxury real estate? And then it answered that question. I was like, wow, okay. I can see that now. I can see how Christians, how white Christians may not even think about this if it wasn't preached, maybe in their church, if it was an all-white church growing up, that you know what? Racism, prejudice, yeah, that's sin, folks. That's sin. 
right? Mm. We're separating um, ourselves from the body of Christ. So for me, um, you know, that just answered a lot of things. But again, we just have to be intentional. We have to pray about these things. When you hear these things, Deb said in the media, when you see these things, you have to, you have to speak up about it. With my own children, when I see something on TV and they've seen it, I now have to reverse that. I have to talk to them. I have to educate them. And I have to let them know that they are powerful, that they can do anything they want to do. And yes, it's a black issue, but more importantly, it's a gospel issue. That's good. That's good. That's good. Michelle, give us one thing you would tell your, your counterparts uh, in, your, in your job <laughs> setting. What's some things that you would tell them to help change this? Yes. Um, so I mentioned earlier, I, I really try to encourage dialogue. I think that when we, for example, we think about, you know, Holocaust, and we're all appalled. You know, there's curiosity, we're appalled. When we talk about slavery and race, it's like taboo, we're embarrassed. Like, you don't know what to say, and I say it. And at the end of the day, you know, it's... There are topics, a range of topics that we can talk about and discuss and people should feel open, you know, to talk about how I'm different or our experiences. And, um, you know, we all have prejudices, like that's, that's just real. Um, but racism, you know, by its very definition is you have prejudices, but you have the power to make a decision that can impact someone else. Mm. And so I think that's really important, especially in corporate America. Um, it's um, our actual chief people officer of our company uh, had a kind of blog post for MLK Day, and he was reflecting um, just on the, you know, the life and, and um, accomplishments. And he was saying that he remember he remembers using a colored water fountain, right? Mm. And so if you think about it, the CEO of our company and him are about the same age. Mm. So ideally, they could have been at the same water fountain together drinking wow. and drinking and sipping water fountains. And so we have to realize that it's not been that long ago. Yeah. And so the leaders of our corporate offices, and, in, and even if you think about the leadership, right, direct board of directors is really who runs a company. It's not the, it's the CEO reports to the board of directors, which yeah. is even less diverse than most of our wow. executive leadership and corporations. So I would, tell, I would tell people to think about the last time they were the only Caucasian or the only person of their type walking into a, a room mm. and it just causes you to say oh my god like how would I respond how would I feel how would I reach out and connect and so I think it's important to put yourself in another person's shoes and it just allows those those um, doors to open I think and it allows for dialogue so that's what I would say to my to my fellow co-workers and leaders Robinson man yeah. yes um, I think uh, I definitely agree with Michelle I think like before, when I was saying, uh, whenever I hear one of my colleagues or employee, whoever it may be, make a comment, the first thing I try not to do is just basically think that, you know, this person is racist, even though I, I get your point that mm -hmm. they might be because of the comment. Because I find, and in my experience, I tend to engage the person as they get to know me and they realize, okay, they're no longer seeing Robinson, this black dude, this Haitian dude, or this is my friend, this is my colleague, this is my chiropractor, whatever it may be. So, that's kind of like what, that's the way I, I look at it. And also, too, one of the things... Why, why do you look at it that way? When you think about the gospel, you think about God, how he made us. I mean, what, why do you think of it that way? One, I guess one of the persons that had the most, the biggest impact in my life is a guy by the name of Jay Harville. I yeah. lived in Memphis, Maryland. And before I met this guy, right, and even before that, I was never really exposed to a lot of white people. I mean, I just thought, okay, if you were Republican, you were... Yeah. Raises you or so and so, and this this is a man that's probably poured more into me than any other living man in this world. He can cook. So <laughs> he can cook too, and he can cook too. That <laughs> man can barbecue, and this is someone that I love and I have vastly different views from. But I was able to live with him, watch him live his life with his wife, his three beautiful kids, and they basically accepted me. And 
not, if I ever think of, whenever I think of Jay, I never think of Jay or my white mentor, my white friend. I just think of Jay, my guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and with that, that's why, and also too, just hearing things from their perspective. So many times I hear, um, you know, my white colleagues who just, they themselves feel like they're being attacked and they don't understand, like, oh man, it's, this is always this. I'm not racist, I'm not that. And, and even though I, I tried, I mean, I fully get it. I try to understand because that's what I want somebody to do for me, you know? So um, even they may understand, okay, what I mean when I get pulled over, you may not ever be affected by that, but at least put yourself in my shoes so you can get perspective. And that's what I try to do myself. So that's why, it's good. at least I don't know if that answered the question. It's good. Yeah. That's good. Deb, sum it up for us. Why is this a gospel issue? Is this a gospel issue? I think we agree yeah. on it, but why? why? Why would you say that this is a matter of the gospel? Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's a gospel issue because all are precious in his sight, right? Like, I wish you could see the view I have right now. We have every shade in this room looking back at me, and it is beautiful. But I think when this country gets to a place, and I don't often preach at work, but sometimes I do, (laughs) when we can get to a place where we understand that having Nina's voice at the table brings something different than having Deb's voice because we come from different perspectives. It makes our conclusions better because we're more balanced in hearing voices that Nina and Michelle and Robinson have very different um, backgrounds than I do and they bring different things to the table. So when companies finally realize when I have all those different voices, when I have this looking back at me to make this decision, we are stronger for it. And that, that is the gospel at work, understanding all are precious in his sight. And I think it's just right there. Amen, amen. Can you guys put your hands together for the workplace panel? Amen. I love that. We're all precious in his sight. The fact that God has made us all in his image uh, and that should go into wherever we go, workplace and beyond. So if you're on the education panel.